I got a billion dollar mindset, steady as a flow, navigating all my time spent, letting niggas know. Billion dollar, billion dollar. Hey yo, what is going on? Welcome to the show, Into the Mind. I'm your host, Marlon Johnson, and I'm a parkour athlete turned real estate investor. I spent the last eight years of my life studying mindset of elite performers and applying those lessons to my own life. In my pursuit for success, I've sought out wisdom from mentors who are doing exactly what I want to do in all areas of life. So I've asked that they share their wins and losses with me, and in my search for those answers, this podcast was born. I wanted to share that valuable advice that I was receiving from successful entrepreneurs investors and world-class athletes so thank you all for tuning in this show is for free and my guests do give their precious time to be here so i do ask for something in exchange to show our thanks i ask that the price of admission be you share this if you get any value you go onto your social media you share it with your friends you share it with your family you share it with your co-workers you share it with people in the streets look my goal is to influence 1 million people to invest in themselves and to unlock their own potential and i can't do that alone i'm happy to introduce my guest today which is andrew harrett by the way andrew am i saying your last name right is it Harry? hip 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 hooray. hooray. I freaking love that. So my guest is Andrew Hooray. And Andrew is someone that I've been fortunate enough to get to know over the past few months. He's poured hours into me and my business, helping me to scale and to create a true culture. And Andrew understands leadership on so many different levels, from being a Marine to being a district manager of several H&R blocks and now the integrator of a six-figure-a-month real estate business. He's learned how to create effective teams, lead many different personality types, and he has a skill set for creating and structuring and understanding how to manage people, and not just manage, but lead. So I think there's a a nice differentiation there that we're going to get into. So guys, I know he can't hear it, but help me in welcoming Andrew Hooray to the show. Andrew, welcome. Thanks, Marlon. Man, I'm so, so glad to be here. And, uh, and this is awesome, man, because I've, I've seen you come such a long way. And I know, like we were just talking not that long ago about the culture that you're creating, and you're already reaping a lot of those benefits. And it's just nice to see the leadership that that you're taking, right? And that's, that's something that I'm really passionate about is like leadership, right? And you kind of mentioned that, but what you're doing with it, man, you're running with it, and you're doing an awesome job, dude. It's really awesome to see. Man, I appreciate that. And I owe a big, you know, thanks to you. You honestly, you helped push me to that next stage and you forced me to level up. So I'm really, really grateful that, you know, we're able to have the conversations we have. We're a part of the same circle and that I know whenever I need to, I can pick up the phone and reach out to you. So what I want to do is I want to dive into to your story, man, because every time I talk to you, I start to learn a little bit more. I'm just peeling back the layer and I'm just like, holy cow, this guy, like it gets deep. So let's bring it back real far for a minute and I want to know basically who was Andrew back in high school like what type of kid were you and what led you into the military man (laughs) (laughs) okay so so funny enough uh when I was in Iraq on my first deployment my parents found a paper from when I was in kindergarten and it was uh or maybe it was probably like first grade second grade I was able to write and um it was, what do you want to be when you grow up? And the number one thing was a Marine. So my father was a Marine. He spent 14 years in the Marine Corps. Um, and it was just something that I had always admired. Right. But as I got older, it kind of fell off the map. And uh, speaking of high school, you know, I got into uh, 
guess I started as an entrepreneur pretty early. Like in middle school, me and my buddy were ripping DVDs and putting labels on them and selling them and things like that. And then in high school, it moved into things that I probably shouldn't have been doing. And it put me in a position where it was like, man, I need, I like woke up one day and I was like, I need to change my life. Right. And, um, and I literally like a couple of days later, went and talked to a recruiter and like a month later I was, uh, in boot camp. Man. So you actually, at some point recognized like, Hey, like I need guidance. Like I need discipline or I need structure really. Yeah, you know? exactly. Right. So I was going nowhere fast. And, uh, and it was like, you know what, like, I know like that, that passion I had for it when I was younger and the respect I had for my father, like, it was just like, you know what, I, I need that, you know? So, and it was, it was a great experience. You know, it, it provided me everything I needed. It set me on a straight track, gave me organizational skills. And one of the best things about the Marine Corps was in the Marine Corps, it's all about small unit leadership. Right. So one, you go to boot camp, you get trained, all that, you go to infantry school or whatever your MOS is. But within like the first year, you're going to be in charge of other guys. Right. And I started out in infantry. So like for me, like I was in charge of three souls. Right. These were real people that we were going to go into combat. Right. So like and that happens like very quickly. Right. So it puts you in a position to where you have no choice but to be a leader because the opposite of not being a leader is going to result in a family losing someone important, you know? Absolutely. So let me ask you, right? Because when you're out there, you're right. Like when you're in the military, you have these people that are essentially following you. And it's not just, hey, we make a mistake and, you know, someone gets a slap on the wrist. We lost some money. We're talking about losing lives. So what was it that you learned about leadership there? And what sort of leadership style did you have in the military or did you adopt while you were there in the Marines? Yeah. So obviously being in the military, I think a lot of people know this, it's very authoritarian, right? But at the same time, the Marine Corps, and I think most branches, they still teach a lot of servant leadership. It's just still that authoritarian, like at the end of the day, what I say goes, right? But, and what I mean by servant leadership is, you know, the, the bonds you form, no matter what your rank are, are very tight because you take care of these guys, not just at work, right? Not just, oh, we're going to combat, so I got to prepare you for that. But they, the military realizes that there is a mindset that is super important, and that mind has to be clear, right? Especially with the, the level we're playing at where lives are on the line, right? Like you have to take care of them at home and at work, right? Whatever their personal goals are, it's my job to make sure that they have everything they need to reach them, right? I'm not going to take the steps for them, but I'm going to make sure that there's a plan for them to get there and I'm going to help them get to that point. Right. And that was something that was instilled in me in the military and carried on throughout my career. That was, was something that set me apart from the rest of my peers. Right. And that's, I think that's something that a lot of people miss and that leadership and manager, right. That you talked about, Mm -hmm. right. That's, there is a big difference, right. A manager is just going to be there to look over your shoulder to make sure the tasks get done. But a leader is going to be able to pull out all the best things in you and then find people to bring into the team that are going to help you with the things that you're not good at, right? And I'm not going to just force you to do things. I'm going to explain the why, and I'm going to show you how you can be successful. And I'm going to make sure inside of work and outside of work, you're going to hit all your goals, right? And to me, that's what separates a leader and a manager. 
Nice. You know, I like that because we spent a lot of time over the weekend talking about that. And I really appreciated that conversation because it added clarity to what I was doing in my own personal business. As far as, you know, I even, I think I said to you, I was like, Hey, Andrew, man, like, I almost feel like I should be doing more traditional, you know, managing and work-based stuff and training, like, Hey, this is how you talk to a seller. And, but when I get on with my people, it's more so, Hey, what's happening in your life? right? What's going on? Where are you at? And checking in with them holistically as a human, as a person, and then making sure that they as a person is good. And then they can be plugged in to the system. They can be plugged into the business, which, you know, when I started speaking with you, you were pretty much giving me like the heads up, like, yeah, no, man, that's, that's on point. And I trust your opinion because of your background, you know, coming from the military and then also transitioning into corporate, right? You know, when you were in corporate with H&R, you know, what was that like? Because you explained to me a little bit about your, essentially how you transitioned into that and how you were in charge of a lot of people, right? You were in charge of a lot of different districts and you had to be able to properly lead them so that you didn't get burnt out and they didn't get burnt out and they were able to perform. So what was that transition like moving from military to corporate? And what did you find that you practically were doing in order to create a team uh, that had, you know, this symbiotic relationship where they were all growing and working together. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, there's a lot of learning in between H&R Block and the military, right? So I didn't start at H&R Block. I started at Aaron Sales and Lease, which was a rent-to-own furniture company. And I was the assistant manager. That was what I was hired at. And then I come to find out it was the accounts manager who's in charge of collections on the account. So anyone that's past due, things like that. And that, that was actually a huge turning point for me because I came from the military with a very authoritarian communication style. And very early on in my retail career, um, literally like within the first month, I almost got fired, right? My boss pulled me aside and he said, if one more guy on this team cries, like you're done, right? Because that's all I knew. All I knew is what I say goes. And if you don't, if you don't do it, I just, I just bury you into the ground. Right. And that, 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 that's all I knew about leadership at that time. Like I still had the servant leadership aspect. Like I would, I would talk to them about things going on at home and make sure that they had money and they were paying their bills, things like that. Right. But my communication style was just so aggressive that that doesn't fly on the retail corporate side. Right. And that was, that was a big learning point for me because that is probably what set off my passion for communication and learning even deeper about the mentality of the people that you are leading. Right. And I started reading a lot of books and I would actually, at the end of every day, I had a journal and I would go back and I would replay all the conversations I had in my head and I would write down how I could do that differently. And I would go out and pick up a different communication book um, and think, think back to those conversations and say, all right, with, with these principles in this book, how could I have, how could I have communicated this differently? Right. Um, and that, that made me very successful, right. Learning about personality types and communication and understanding that it doesn't matter what I want to get done. What matters is how I drive passion and someone else to get it done. Right. Because that is what's going to make the entire team successful. Right. And that's the job of a leader. And I started doing that at Aaron's. Um, I went to Starbucks for a short while. Starbucks, awesome company, but I got bored, right? Because Starbucks has their SOPs laid out so perfect that all you got to do is read the book 
and implement it and it just runs itself. Right. And, but, and it was great. Right. And it's a great company to work for, but I just got bored. Right. So then after that, I moved on to H and R block and I started with them as a district operations coordinator, handling operations was very successful at that. I got that integrator background. So operations, systems, logistics, things like that. Like I'm inclined towards that. I did really well, but I still had that retail, retail leadership background. So within the first year I got put into a, a district manager role and Thanks to Carol Banks, who was my regional director there, she taught me so much. In terms of leadership of people, she's probably the best leader I've ever had. Um, And there were a lot of times where she just, there were so many unlocks with her of just understanding different characteristics, the different individual traits, and how to marry that up with other people, right? And, And thanks to her, I saw a lot of success with building a team at H&R Block, right? And I had, I had one year in Philadelphia where I ran the, the Philadelphia district, but then a bunch of redistricting happens, which is not unusual for corporate. And they moved me to a different district where they hadn't hit any of their goals in 10 years, right? First year, I made a lot of changes, but we still missed. But then after that, we hit every year in a row, right? And that wasn't because of me. It was because of the team that we had. Right. And I would hire based on personality traits. And not only that, I built relationships with my managers, right. With my leaders, right. They were leaders too. Um, And they were just an extension of me. And when you build that kind of company culture where I take care of them inside and outside of work, and they know that I care because I truly do. Right. That parlays into their teams as well. Right. And that's how you can scale a large business, but maintain a good company culture. Right. It really starts with you. Right. And what you do for your team, because they're going to see that and they're going to emulate it because anything you do for them, they're going to respect that. And that's everyone's learning from their leaders, good or bad. Right. I have plenty of bad leaders that taught me a ton. Absolutely hated them, but I've learned a lot from them because I know what I don't want to do. Right. And, and that's really the importance of, of building a company culture is it makes you so much more scalable. There's a million reasons why. One, you don't have to be over someone's shoulder to make sure they're going to get the work done. They're going to want to because they want to, right? They're going to have the motivation because they love the company they work for. They love the team they work for. They love their teammates. They love their leader. They love the, the path they see them climbing. Um, there's a million reasons, right? And one of the best things about that is it makes everything easier because no one wants to let that get ruined, right? If you're trying to manage 200 people and no one really wants to be there, that's impossible. If you're trying to lead a large team of 200 people and everyone wants to be there, you're never going to have a bad hire because they're going to let you know right away. They're going to tell you, right? If they refer someone to come work for you, it's because they know they're going to fit into the team. They're going to fit into the culture and it's going to be a great hire right? If someone's dragging and someone needs help getting across the finish line, you don't have to go ask someone else to do it because they're automatically going to do it, right? Spending that extra time to care for your team and take care of them, it makes your life so much easier. It's an investment in yourself, really, and in your own time. Man, yo, I hope people were listening because you just like drop gem after gem after gem, seriously, because I don't hear a lot of people speak about this and they don't speak about leadership from this point of view, you know, leadership is, okay, just go out there and grind, right? That grind culture is still 
like a thing. And I'm all about, you know, working hard and hustling and working your butt off. I'm absolutely for that. But not everybody resonates with that. And you said something that it triggered. I don't know. If, are you familiar with the story Acres of Diamonds? Right? No, no I'm not. Essentially, the story, I'm not going to get too deep into it. But basically, the story goes, you know, back in the day, Africa, everyone starts going out and mining for diamonds, right? And everyone's kind of getting excited. It's almost like their gold rush, right? You know, like, hey, let's go hunt for diamonds. So there's this one farmer. He hears about, you know, the diamonds. And he says, you know what? I'm going to go out. I'm going to go find the diamonds. I'm going to go strike my riches. So he sells his farmland, right, for everything that he has on it, gets the money, gets equipment, and just goes out on a search looking for diamonds, right? He spends the next, like, something 10, 20 years looking for these diamonds and doesn't find anything, runs out of money, completely bankrupt, and eventually takes his own life. Now, the man that the farmer sold the land to He's out one day and he's walking through the farmland. He's walking through the stream and he sees this odd looking rock on the ground, picks it up, brings it into the home, doesn't think much of it. Next few days, a friend comes over. The friend's looking at what's sitting on the mantle and he says, do you know what you have here? He's like, no, I just found it down by the stream. What is it? This is probably one of the largest uncut diamonds on the continent right like this thing is just it's freaking huge like the friends looking at him but he's like really he's like the stream is filled with weird looking rocks like this right he was sitting on this farmer that sold the land that took his life was sitting on one of the largest supplies of diamonds right but he just didn't understand what it looked like in its raw form right so he was sitting on acres of diamonds that he sold and left and when you explained how you have your people and essentially, they're your diamonds, right? And you're figuring out who you need to be, how you need to unlock them in order to get the value from them, in order to see it, how you have to refine them. That just blew my mind where I'm like, holy crap. Like, So it really does take the right leader to come in to see what's there, to see how to refine it and get it all working together in cohesion and then creating the space that essentially like you're creating the machine that cleans and cuts them. And if it doesn't clean and cut them well, maybe the machine's not broken. Maybe they're not a right fit for here. But establishing that culture first will allow everybody to figure this out. Yep. Which I think that's, that's something that's really important that a lot of people don't speak about. So yep. let me ask you, would you say then, in your opinion, I think I know the answer here. Would you say it's important to create the culture first and then go find the people? Or if you have the people... Like get the people first and then create the culture. No, it's it's absolutely crucial to have your culture. Now, if you're a brand new business, right, and, and you're an entrepreneur, you may you may have a little bit different, right? But you need to have that culture established first. Um, you need to know what your your company's purpose is, right? Because a lot of times when you're first starting out, the mindset is, oh, well, we're just going to make money, right? That's why we're here. But that's not something people can get behind. People can go anywhere to make money, right? If you want to have the best people on your team, you have to give them more than just money, right? Um, I could go to a lot of companies right now and make a ton of money, right? But our purpose is to make sure that we are helping sellers and buyers in the real estate and communities everywhere, right? Like we love the stories where we are able to put a, a homestead buyer in a home because they're a penalty box buyer and they, they have everything, they've worked their butt off as a small business owner making great money, but they can't get approved for a loan, right? That is someone that should absolutely be able to buy a house, right? 
Um, we've had, we've had buyers who they were living in a bad area. They, they had bad credit like years ago, but since then they've been able to, to repair it, but they're just, they still have a couple years left before they reach that. Like banks are going to be comfortable with them. Right. We're okay with five years. Right. We put that person in a home. We just had um, this gentleman, he emailed us the other day. The reason he was looking to move was because he lived in a bad area of town because he couldn't get approved for anything else. Right. His son woke him up in the middle of the night and said, daddy, can we move somewhere where I'm not scared? Oh, wow. Right. And, uh, you know, stuff like that, like hearing those stories and being able to find someone that deserves a better scenario in life. And they've been working really hard to, to get there and we're able to help them with that. Like, that's what our purpose is. Like, that's what we talk about at our meetings, right? Like people can get behind that. People understand that, yeah, we're going to make money, but man, we're changing lives. Right. And that's, that is company culture, right? That is what, that is what drives motivation through the roof because people, when they hear stories like that, you're willing to make five more phone calls a day, right? Because that's going to be the difference between someone living in an area where their son's getting shot at every night and someone living in an area where they feel safe and their family's happy, right? So I think building that company culture first is super important because if you just hire a bunch of people and then you try to instill culture on them, like that's, that's going to be a much tougher road. Can you do it? Yes. But if you already have your company culture and that's part of your hiring process and you're letting them know up front, hey, here's our purpose. Here's why we do what we do. Is that something you believe in, Right that's going to be a good indicator that they're going to fit your company culture, right? So instead of hiring 50 people and turning through a bunch of people because they weren't the right fit because you made a bad hire is much more difficult than hiring 10 people that fit that company culture right off the bat. Man, I I freaking love that. And I I couldn't agree with you more, you know, because I think what we see is, and maybe you've seen this as well. People say like, yeah, we got company culture, right? Like we sat down and we wrote our, our business plan and we wrote our traits and they like, they have it written on paper. Like they can show you the paper and like, Hey, this is our culture. Right. But there's a difference between having it written on paper and actually living it, actually making it a part of the daily routine showing up. And even if no one ever said verbally what the company culture was, it should be felt. Right. I think that's huge. So yeah, like sharing those stories with your team and making sure that like, yeah, this is something that genuinely gets you guys excited, right? You know, you guys speak about, hey, we're in this. Yes, we want to make money. Every business wants to make money, but there's a deeper purpose. We truly want to help people. We truly want to solve problems and being able to come back and say, look, this is a problem that we solved. This is the sort of people that we can help. These are the sort of people that we're working for. This is who we're serving. I think that's amazing, man. You know, so now you're, you're in real estate, man. Like you, you weren't in real estate before you stepped in, you've been working with Reese for anyone that's listened to the podcast before they listened to the episode with Reese Pennington, you know, an absolute monster of a closer, you know, and he was doing well, but since you came on board, I have literally watched in real time, the business just go like, like it, it blew up over, like, not to say like it blew up and like it's, you guys got skyscrapers. But the growth has been extremely noticeable. So what's that experience been like for you transitioning into real estate from coming from more of a steady corporate world? And what did you, I would say, what did you add? Like, what did you bring that was missing that allowed the two of you to have the growth you've been seeing? 
Yeah. So, so it was interesting because I was looking to make a career change. Right. Um, and I literally texted Reese and I said, Hey man, you still in that real estate shit. <laughs> like out of nowhere, like we, we go, we go back pretty far. We were really close friends. We used to live together a lot when we were younger, got in a lot of trouble together. Well, we never got in trouble, but we did things that should have got us in trouble. Right. So lived near the beach, you know, we, we, we had a great time, but we kind of went our separate ways. Right. And I ended up getting married and moving to Pennsylvania and he was still back where we lived for a while. And then he moved over to Baltimore and we would still see each other maybe like once a year, whenever I would go home or stuff like that. And so I texted him because I was looking to make a career change. And I asked him, I said, Hey, are you still doing that real estate shit? And he said, yeah, why? What's up? So, well, I'm thinking about making a change. I might go get my realtor's license. And he was like, yeah, you could do that, but that'd be dumb. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> and uh, so he started explaining and he's like, Hey, you know, you can, you can work with me and yada, yada, yada. And I'll show you the ropes. But then as the conversation continued, it's like, you know, this is where I'm at. Like I've been doing this for six years. I know what I'm doing. I'm at the point where I'm ready to scale my business, right? He's already, he, and shout out to Reese. Cause one, the man's an amazing closer, but two, you know, he spent many years and a lot of money on educating himself and going through the acquisition side, the disposition side, the transaction, multiple exit strategies, things like that. Right. The only thing that he hadn't really done before was work at a higher level where you get to see kind of how business systems get created, right? That for him was going to be a lot of extra work when he was already doing five to 10 deals a month on his own, which was consuming a lot of his time, right? And as he's explaining the stuff that he's trying to do, I'm like, that's what I've been doing for like the past 15 years, man, right? Like training, re- recruiting, hiring, training, uh, you know, uh, systematizing different aspects of the business, stuff like that. So it was just kind of like one of those things where it just like, it clicked, you know, we already had a good established relationship. I mean, we literally used to live together. Right. So like we, we know each other really well already. And, um, and it was just one of those things where it's like, well, Hey, instead of just trying to mimic what you're doing, why don't we work together? Right. And that's what we did. Right. And it just started out as solving problems, right? Hey, Right now, I have to do all this other stuff. My skill set is being able to, to get a contract signed. So how do we do that as quickly as possible, right? And we just worked backwards from that. So we started hiring some lead managers, things like that, putting systems in place. We switched our, our CRM just so things were a little more transparent. Uh, we wanted to make sure that communication was there because when you're scaling, communication is like the most important thing that can happen because things change very quickly right? Hey, this is our first time of adding this department. So this is what we're going to do. We're going to change that 5 million times before we have the process down, right? So being able to communicate with your team about that and let them know at the drop of a hat, like, Hey, this is changing right now. Do this different moving forward. Right? So, and you also have the ad car method, right? And what that is, is that is a business principle that is about change management. And when you're scaling, change management is super important. And when I say change management, what I mean is managing the way your team is handling the changes that you're creating, right? So ADCAR stands for uh, awareness, desire, knowledge, action, and uh, basically revisiting, right? So those are five super important aspects that if you don't have all five of those, it's going to slow you down, um, potentially to the point where your business is going to fail, right? One, is your team aware of the change? 
do they have the desire to change? And that's a hard piece to, to get because if they're used to doing it, way, people are creatures of habit, right? If they're used to doing something and it works, they don't, they don't necessarily have the desire to change it, even if you yourself know it works better, right? So desire is super important. Do they have all the knowledge they need to actually execute on the change? And then once they start taking action, right? You have to go revisit that and refine that process, right? So even with that change, there's more change, there's more change, there's more change, right? Um, so those are like things like that, that, that Reese had just never been exposed to that, right? Like he's a career salesman, he's been doing real estate, but he's never had that experience of like leading a large team and trying to get 200 people who are facing this direction to all of a sudden shift left and face this direction, right? It's hard to get to people to do that at the same time, right? So that those were the things that I brought to the table. Reese brought all the real estate knowledge, the ability to close deals. Um, and what I brought was business systems, processes, and leading a team. And when we combined those two things, we were able to ramp up um, our business very quickly. Man, I love that, right? Because what you just explained is two things. One, it's what we've been referring to as like the visionary integrator mix that we speak so much about. I know a lot of people, if they've never read the book Traction or Rocket Fuel, they might not be familiar with that terminology. So go check those books out. But that visionary integrator mix, you know, or essentially it's just two people, two high level leaders with a different set of skills. And I think that's probably one of the most important things for partnerships, period. I know from my own faults and mistakes in the beginning, I started this business with a partner, right? And we're great people. We get along well, but we both brought the same skill set to the table. So the scales weren't balanced. And all we did was get on each other's nerves versus <laughs> bringing two complete. like, hey, you're good at the stuff that I literally don't know how to do, or don't want to do, or I'm not capable of doing at that level yet. And I bring this skill set like that's way better. So you were able to bring that skill set to Reese, essentially, where you had the ability to scale a system to manage a team and to get the right hires and basically put those business systems in place that will eventually allow, you know, Reese, the, I guess I'll call him the talent to pull himself out of the business. And the business is no longer running on talent, but it's running on a system. So let me ask you this. And this question, I think is going to be really helpful for a lot of people that are in a place where they're debating on like, what should I do next? Is there a correct or incorrect time to scale? Like when should one start even beginning to consider scaling? Is it a, a fine dollar amount? Is it, you know, a skill set amount? And maybe there is no perfect answer. You know, I think this is like a pretty, probably going to be case by case, but is there like a general, like, hey, if you're getting here, maybe consider scaling or, hey, dude, you're going to scale before you think you need to scale. You know, if you're waiting for the moment to be right, then you're missing it. You know, you got to jump a little bit. You know, what are your, what's your opinion on that? Yeah, well, I think a lot of that's going to come down to personal opinion. How big do you want to get, right? So what's your desired outcome? Where, what level of monetary value do you want to be bringing in per month? Is that something you can achieve on your own, right? If it is, maybe that's your solution right? If you have dreams to become a big business, or you have dreams to build a team and lead a team and just be like this real estate juggernaut, you should start scaling immediately, right? Um, 
just from my experience of being in the Marine Corps and working in corporate leadership, I know I can accomplish way more with a team than I can by myself. So my natural instinct at this point, right, and I wasn't like this before, right, but my natural instinct now with my experience is we immediately need to, we need more help, right? Like I can't do this on my own. I need, I need a team that I can trust that I'm going to enjoy working with and that we're going to be able to help them achieve their goals. Like I want that. That's what I want. Right. And, and me personally, like once, once I started with Reese, like we started scaling immediately. Now, if you don't have the knowledge, right. If you don't have the knowledge, you can't start hiring a team, right. You have to have enough knowledge, right. And Reese brought that knowledge piece, but I would say if your dream is to grow, right. As soon as you learn something and it's something that can be repeatable, you should hire someone else to take care of that. So you can move on to the next thing. Uh, you know what? I, I would have to agree. You know, and I, again, like this is where I got to say thank you because you helped me push to that next stage, right? With my CRM, you know, hey, beef up the CRM, get a better CRM. Great, get people. You gave me that added push. And thankfully you did because since scaling up and bringing people on under me, I've now been able to see from a different vantage point that I didn't even realize I wasn't looking from. Right. I had no idea of knowing what I couldn't see because I was on the second floor looking north and all you did was push me up to the fifth floor and said, like, all right, keep looking north. And oh, crap, I can see like an additional 10 miles out now. Like, all right, this is this is important. And I would agree with you as far as knowing how large you want to scale. That definitely adds a play to it. So I'm curious to know between you and Reese, right, as you two came together right I imagine that was a conversation that the two of you had to have where you said hey what's you know what's the end goal look like right what's the what finish line are we running together like what marathon do we run together maybe one of you wants to run a 100 mile and the other one's saying hey I want to run a 20 mile you know like or are you both on the same page as far as distance that you want to go like how's that conversation look yeah so so we are right we're both very hungry um we see what we're, we're capable of and we're, we're seeing what our team's capable of and there is no finish line for us, right? That's, that's just, we just both agree on that. Uh, we've already got plans for uh, five, six other companies, right? Um, and we're both on the same page, right? Um, that was just something that it just kind of worked out. It wasn't a, it, it almost... I'm not a big believer in fate, but you know, I don't know how else to explain it other than that. Like it was just meant to be like, we're both just hungry. We want to grow and grow and grow. We want to be the Walmart of the real estate world, right? Like that's, that's where our desires are. And we will just constantly chase that. Man. I mean, and from watching you guys, I can absolutely see it. Like that's one of the coolest things. It's like when I see the work that you've been putting in, when I see the scale and when I see the solidness in the foundation, and I know the people behind it. I'm just like, holy crap, like a power team, like this past year, like in 2021, a power team was created and the rest of the world, I still don't think understands like what merged, you know, it's like, I'm just like, holy cow, like this is going to be insane. And I'm glad to see that you both are on the same page. You know, I would agree with you where I've spoken with a lot of people and I found other like power teams that work you know, regardless of what scale they're looking to go to, like the Paces and the Cody's, the, um, the, the Steve Trangs that, well, Steve doesn't really have any partners, but, um, or he does, but I just don't know their names. Um, yeah. but like, <laughs> it's like Ricky Morgan and his partner, Steve, right? 
And it's the same conversation as far as regardless of where they wanted to go, they all agreed on, hey, this is the floor I want to get on, right? Yep. It wasn't one guy saying like, hey, I want to be on the 100th floor. And the other guy's like, yeah, I'm just trying to check out the lobby, man. This is like a really dope lobby. I like the lobby, but I have no interest in getting up to the penthouse, right? Yep. So both people had to be on that same page. And I think, yeah, that tends to happen where it's a little bit more of an organic thing. Mm-hmm. I remember at one point I was asking you like, yo, Andrew, how do I, how do I go find an integrator? And you were kind of giving me suggestions, but at the same time, it's like, Hey, like, listen, they're, they're going to have to fit the culture, right? They're going to have to, there is no surefire way to just like pinpoint exactly this person is who you want. So I like, I think I agree with you just creating it organically and then letting the right people creating the space for the right people so that they eventually can fill it. Yeah. And it's, it is hard to find, right? Cause it's going to be in terms of your, your business, right? It's going to be the most important find that you'll have, right? Like there's no room for error on that, right? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter who would come to me right now and say, Hey, I want you to come be my partner. I wouldn't do it. Right. If any real estate grant Cardone can come down and be like, Hey, I want to bring you on as a partner. I'd be like, no, I'm good. Right. Even though there's guaranteed money there, like I just wouldn't do it because what Reese and I have our relationship in the business and outside of the business, like I'm not going to find that anywhere else, you know, and that's that. I'm, and the only reason I'm saying that is to impress, like, that's how sure you have to be right now. I'm not, I'm not saying that you need to know that before you start the partnership, but that should be the feeling once you're in that partnership and you guys have kind of gone through that honeymoon phase is you should have that feeling of like, if someone offered me $5 million right now, I wouldn't leave right? because I wouldn't, because I know recently I can make more money than that. Nice. That's just, that's, that's nothing to me at this point, right? What we have coming down the pipe, like I know with the way we approach business and how hungry we are, and we just won't let ourselves fail and we won't let our teams fail. Like I, 5 million doesn't, it does, is not attractive to me anymore right? That has no impact on me, right? There's, there's no monetary value that you can put on me going out to, to work with someone else at this point. Nice. And so I'm happy to hear you say that, right? Because essentially that sounds like the culture that you created wasn't just for your employees either, right? It's for you, right? It's for you. And it's for Reese, because if you're saying this, like, Hey, like, listen, I can't be bought anymore. And this was a conversation I was having with someone earlier today when I explained to him, like, Hey, listen, I've worked at jobs where, I made less and other places were offering me twice, three times as much for the same exact work. And I said no to them because I enjoyed being where I currently was. I enjoyed the culture. I enjoyed the people. I enjoyed the growth, all of that. So it's cool to see that even from the leadership side, you're creating this culture, not just for them. You're also creating it for yourself. And I think sometimes people might focus so much on like, all right, how do I create it for them? It's like, well, listen, if you don't enjoy showing up to work, why would they? Why should they? So I love that you come back to that, man. Like, and what's really interesting here to me is the fact that you, like the way you describe it, it's almost like a solid relationship, right? Like, you know, it's like we get into a relationship with our partners, girlfriends, if some people have boyfriends, whatever, we get into a relationship and it doesn't necessarily mean there are no arguments, right? It doesn't mean that you agree on every last detail. However, to me, it sounds like, you agree on where we're going. We have a general agreement on how we're going to get there. And we have a way of communicating that we can basically problem solve anything along the way 
in a way that doesn't kill either of us or drain either of us so dang much. Yeah, 100%. We disagree on a lot of stuff, right? But that's also why we're a great partnership because he's, Reese pushes harder and pushes faster than I do. And I kind of pull it back, right? And then we find that good balance in the middle. But that communication piece and that culture piece is is super important, right? Because there has never been a time where Reese and I have gotten in a shouting match, right? Now, granted, we've only been doing this for six months, but the fact that we've been able to go from a team of Reese to a team of 12 in six months without screaming at each other at some point, like we have a pretty good communication with each other, right? Like we, we value each other's opinion and there's never a point where it's like, Hey, you're an idiot. I can't believe you believe that. Right. But, but yeah, man, the communication is important and that company culture plays a big part of that, right? We appreciate what we've built, right? It's not about the money. The money's there, right? The money's great. We love the money. But even more than that, we love the team we've created, right? The company that we've built, which is more than a company, right? And that helps a lot in that partnership. So let me ask you this, because I think, you know, people kind of get this part a little twisted up too, because they want, I don't know, it's like we, everyone always like wants to like, yo, give me the seven steps to making it perfect, right? Give me like the absolute formula that can never fail, right? And Maybe it's because I already know you guys and I get to see it firsthand. So I'm asking a question I already know the answer to, but I want other people to hear it. With the communication, right? Is it like a, hey, we're going to sit down every day and, you know, at eight o'clock to nine o'clock, we're scheduled to talk to each other? Or is it just like this open, free-flowing conversation that's pretty much always being had and you guys are basically like next to your girlfriends and wives, you're pretty much married to each other? Right now, we're pretty much married to each other, right? So we do have we do have a, a schedule call every morning at eight thirty, just to be like, because you know I start my day as you know I'm basically the operations manager, right? So I start my day reviewing what we have in our CRM, where everything is at, and which stage, right? Um, and I have that information, and then Reese brings the things that he's gone out as a visionary and done, be like, hey, I found an opportunity here, I found a revenue stream here, creating a partnership here, right? We, we discuss that stuff every morning at 830. Um, in the past six months, we probably maybe missed two of them. Um, but that's something that we just, we just start our day that way. Right. Um, and then we'll do that. Um, but even throughout the day, I mean, there's multiple times that we're just communicating back and forth, either call zoom text. Hey, this is going on. What do you think? Yada, yada, yada. Um, and especially early on, we haven't had to do this for a little while, but man, we've had multiple nights where it's just, we were so busy during the day of doing the revenue driving tasks that we didn't have time to talk about the growth of the business and what our next steps were. So we'd be on zoom till 2am, right? My wife's like thinking like, what the hell are you doing? Like, you know, like, but like, that was just the only time we had, you know, and then We'd get off at two, we'd go to sleep, we'd wake up 8.30 again, we'd be like, all right, we talked about all that stuff last night, what are we implementing today, right? And that's just something that um, there's no perfect solution, right? Could we do it every other day? Probably, but we, we like starting our day that way. Dude, I love it, man. I mean, that communication, it's key, right? I'm, I, that's something you've been stressing. Uh, you know, if people have been listening this whole time, it, it really it sounds like that formula to leadership is strong, strong, strong communication, not just from the top going down, but the top going across as well. You know, both leaders have to be on the same page, 
Both people have to know where this boat's going. And you can't just assume that because we spoke about it last week, that we're still heading in the right direction, that we're still agreeing on the same thing. I think that's where, again, I see a lot of, a lot of people, you know, I'm always talking to people. I'm always analyzing their business and what's going on. And I see people that started with good intentions. They started strong. However, they never came back and revisited the conversation. So now they're running on empty wishes from the past. They're not checking back in to make sure it still works for them and everybody else that's coming onto the team and that culture is gone. So it's really, really cool to hear that you guys are making that sort of sacrifice where you are having those late night conversations. You're making sure that the business is growing. You're working on the business as well as working in the business. And it's a full-time effort. You know, it's, it's a freaking grind. I've seen you guys put in the work and then you still make time to go and help other people, right? Like the amount of hours you've spent with me, I'm just like, I like, I will sometimes feel bad. I'm like, yeah, I'm pulling him away from work. You know, I appreciate it, but like, I'm absolutely pulling him away. <laughs> but you know what? Again, that's that company culture piece, right? Like that's just what we do. We just like to help other people. Like we see, and you see this with, with any real estate investor out there, right? There's that that's well known that has a large business. None of them are doing deals on their own. None of them just have their own little shell where the only deals they do are the ones they generate themselves and, and do whatever, however, whatever their exit strategy is, they're not working alone, right? All the best teams are working with other investors, right? And we see the power in that. And we, we love it. It's fun to watch, right? Just like you're talking about like, man, I've seen what you guys have done. It's awesome to watch. It is awesome to watch. Right. It's so cool to see someone take their business to the next level. Right. And that's that's just something that's as as a leader. And one of the reasons why you appreciate it is because, you know, innately, whether you realized it recently or not, like you've just been a leader. You like seeing someone that's on step A and them jump into step B and then jump into step C. Right. It's just awesome to watch and it's enjoyable. Right. And and so don't ever be like, man, I feel bad for calling this guy. Cause we like doing it, right? Like that's, that's what our entire purpose as a company, a real estate company is, is not just helping sellers and buyers, but that directly extends to other investors too. Like we, our entire business model, at least the foundation of it was based on helping other investors close deals or disposition deals or finding private money. Like that's, that's, that was the foundation of our business. We weren't cold calling or texting or any of that. All we did was help elevate other investors. Hey, you got a deal you can't close? We got a guy with an amazing skill set that can probably get it closed, right? Once we started doing that, we realized, hey, we got 20 properties in Dispo. What do we do, right? And then we went out and we built our Dispo department, right? And now we've got so many properties in escrow. It's like, we need someone to manage that. And we built a transaction coordination department, right? And we did all of that. And I know a lot of people say JV partners within our company, within our team, we call it JV clients, right? Because what's happening is we're providing a service for them, right? And that's the mentality we want our team to have. So we have all these JV clients that needed help. And through helping them, we were able to create an entire company, right? So like those relationships are the only reason why we're where we're at right now and why I'm able to provide a VA, a source of income that puts her and her family at a totally different level. Right. And I've got other investors who wanted more reps on the sales side and, and wanted to learn more about creative financing and why we have two dispo managers who are like the only way any of that was possible was was helping other people elevate. Right. That's all we did. 
right? And through that, we were able to to do all of this the past six months. And um, I'm excited to see where we can take it in the next six months, the next year, the next five years. Man, I love that. And I'm going to give a quick shout out to you guys, because seriously, you did something that I don't know if it had ever really been done at scale like this, which is we see acquisition houses, right? And we see disposition houses, right? But there wasn't really a JV house, right? Where essentially it's an investor coming in and saying like, hey, look, I found the lead, right? And I like, I got them there. I'm kind of juggling it, but I don't quite know how to close it up. And I don't want to fully just give it away. Like I want to be a part of it, but like, I don't know what to do yet. And I don't know who to go to that can also help because they're new. And usually their circle of influence is other newbies as well. So you guys created a space where it's like, hey, look, come over here. Like you can absolutely trust us. Like we've worked with a ton of people. They can testify for us and we will walk you through this deal or we will even get this deal done for you. And you can literally hand it off. If you got to go to work tomorrow at five o'clock in the afternoon, push it through, we'll close it up. You'll still be a part of this transaction. You're going to get paid while learning the business. I mean, not a lot of other places are doing that. And like you said, you're doing it to another level where it's not JV partner, it's JV client which means you're treating them as the customer, right? You're giving them all the respect. You're giving them the value. They're the people that you're choosing to serve. And I think that's just in and of itself, absolutely amazing. So people, if you're listening and you're relatively new to real estate and you're coming across deals and leads that you know can be closed and you know there's something there, you just don't yet have the skill set to extract that and to get that contract signed or to convert it, or you don't know how to exit the deal, reach out to these guys like Andrew, how real quick, how can people reach out to you with a situation like that? Yeah. So if it's, if it's something that you just need, like some, you have some questions on or something like that. Um, my Instagram is Andrew hooray. You can find us on Facebook, Andrew hooray or Reese Pennington. Um, or if you have a deal that you want us to like start working on immediately. Um, if it's a, if it's an acquisition, if, if you need it closed, from the seller, you can go to jvwithreese.com. If you're having trouble finding a buyer, you can go to dispowithreese.com. There's there's web forms there. You just put in the information, and um, and then someone from our team within 24 hours will reach out to you, get some more information, and then uh, and we'll see if we can uh, we can get something uh, in your pocket in your bank account. So awesome. So guys, I'm gonna put those links all down in the description below you'll easily be able to get access to them and to just reach out on social media to be able to connect with Andrew or Reese. Uh, Both of them are absolutely great guys. I love working with them. Um, You know, Andrew, I like to end this show with two questions that I ask everybody, right? And these are my two favorite questions to ask people because I do want to dive deeper into your mind. So the first one is quite simple. I'm sure you read a ton of books, right? But I want you to name just two books that have been absolutely, you know, like paramount in your change. Like these have been paradigm shifts. And after having picked them up and read them, you've never quite been the same. Like your mind never really went back. What would those two books be? So I would say, well, what I'll give you guys is the two that I've probably used the most in real estate, right? Cause that's probably going to resonate with the audience the most, the servant leader, which is going to apply across any business, right? And that's by Ken Blanchard. And that is going to talk about creating a community, creating a purpose, aligning your team, um, and really how to get the most out of your team. 
And the second one is more of a business process. Um, it also makes sure your team is facing the same direction, but it starts incorporating KPIs and goals and things like that. And that's called 40X and that's by Stephen Covey. All right. So the servant leader and 40X. Sweet. So I'll put a link for those down below as well. And then final question. This one's my favorite. <laughs> Say tomorrow, right? You're laying in bed, you wake up and bro, you are like a blank slate. You don't remember anything you don't remember any of the books you don't remember your military experience you don't remember the time you've spent with reese or anything that you've learned from anybody it's all gone right you know you're in a safe space so you don't feel worried for your life or anything like that you just are empty right however there is one thought right in your mind like one little nugget and for whatever reason you don't question it you just take it as truth and you run with it right? This is going to rebuild your entire life. This is going to rebuild whatever you want it to rebuild, but that's going to be the first seed, right? What would you want that thought to be? Give me one second. Cause you know what seven questions deep is? Yeah. So I'm going to pull up my seven questions deep and read it verbatim to you. Let me, give me, let me find this here. Oh man. I love it. Oh, here we go. Question seven, I don't want to die with regret in my heart that I didn't do enough for my family. That's what I would want that seed to be because that's what drives me every day. And with that, I know that I would have the motivation to go out and take action on whatever I needed to, to be successful and provide the lifestyle that my family deserves. Yeah, that's big. Honestly, you know, and like, and I think that shows up in everything you do. That really is a servant's heart right there, right? Taking care of your family, taking care of your, you know, your employees, they become your family as well. Your partners, they become your family, your community, really. So that's big, man. I I can absolutely see why you will continue to be successful, why you will continue to grow because you're serve, you're constantly serving others, you know, and I appreciate that much. I appreciate that big time about you. So you know, again, for people that want to connect with you, Andrew, like they are just like, holy crap, this guy's awesome. How do I find him? Like, where's the best place to go? Like, what should they do? You know, should they send you a carrier carrier pigeon, direct mail? (laughs) Bro, if anyone sends me a carrier pigeon, I'm tracking them down and finding them because that's that's 100%. I'm going to figure out who that person is because that's awesome. <laughs> so, but uh, easiest way is Instagram, just Andrew Hooray, A-N-D-R-E-W-H-A-R-A-Y. Same thing on Facebook. I'm on social media. Look me up. You can find me. Hit me up and in instant messenger, whatever. Um, I'm always keeping an eye on that. So that'd be the best way. Awesome. So again, guys, I'm going to put that link below. You guys will be able to find Andrew, connect with him, reach out. If you enjoyed this episode, if you learned something from this episode, what I really want you to do is screenshot this, share it, tag myself, tag Andrew, and let us know what your biggest takeaway was, right? Let us know if something resonated and if you're starting to implement it in your business or in your entrepreneurial journey, we would love to hear that. And let's keep the conversation going. So Andrew, bro, thank you so much for coming on today, sharing your knowledge. And I'm looking forward to having you on the show next time where we'll do an episode with the three of us, me, you, and Reese, and we can really deep dive and see where you guys are at in a couple, like six months to a year from now. Yeah, absolutely, man. This was a lot of fun. I really hope someone out there, at least one person takes something away 
and implements it in your business, um, it will, it will work. Promise me. And uh, I can't wait to come back with Reese. We're gonna have a lot of fun with that one, man. Awesome, man. Looking forward to it. Okay, guys. So I really hope you enjoyed that interview. Once again, I ask that if you receive any value at all, I mean anything, if one thing stood out to you, leave a comment below. Let people know what that thing was. Let us know what it was. We do read all of the comments and absolutely share this with a friend. That is how we help each other, okay? The best thing you can do is pass on knowledge and information that's helping you grow. Send that out to your friends. Help them grow. Build your network and build your power team. Let's all get this together. So I want you guys to click that share button, click that like button, subscribe. Make sure you're here for the next episode. And remember that the greatness is already inside of you.